about community. We've been talking about call to community. Strength is in community. The, uh, what, we, what was last week? Challenge of community, yeah. <laughs> and today we'll talk about the joy of community. Would you, would you stand with me? We're going to read uh, one passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Father, I thank you for your word. And I, Lord, we do indeed need you every hour. In our weakness, you are strong. And I pray, Father, that you would be strong in this place today and in our lives and all the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Oh, my goodness. Uh, when I give uh, a blessing on Sunday morning, I, I, uh, several of you have noticed that I extend my thumb and my first two fingers in giving the blessing. And uh, A lot of you probably already know what that means, but um, numbers, several have asked me, and it's an ancient Christian symbol for, for the Trinity that uh, it, a lot of times if you look at icons or uh, are, are, well, mostly icons because the, the more ancient pictures, uh, you'll, see, you'll see that symbol being used by whoever's being represented there. Uh, and the thing is, no one can explain the Trinity at all. There is no analogy, really, that can explain the Trinity because it's well, it's a mystery. It's in another dimension. It's in eternity. It's in things that we know nothing about. Some analogies that have been used, St. Patrick was kind of famous for using the uh, uh, analogy of a shamrock, and uh, it's, it's one plant, but it has, has three leaves on it, and uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but that falls short. That's, that's not really... That's not really a good analogy. In fact, it's it's called uh, it's called partialism. There's a name for it, and uh, and it claims that each member is simply part of God, rather than very God. And so it's problematic. Uh, sometimes uh, the analogy that that we'll use these days is the analogy of water, because water comes in three forms. You can get it in solid form, ice. You can get it in liquid form. Uh, which is what we tend to think of when we think of water, uh, uh, a gaseous form, mist, steam. Uh, however, that falls short because it implies that God just simply, it's called modalism, and it, that God just simply manifests himself in different times in different ways. There's not really three different personalities there. It's really just one. Uh, some use the analogy of the sky in which a, a star uh, puts forth both light and heat, uh, but that also falls way short because it uh, claims that both the the sun and the spirit. It's called Arianism. It's an ancient heresy that the sun and the the sun and the spirit are just simply creations that uh, that came out from the Father. There is no analogy for the Trinity. Uh, no one can explain it. 
the Athanasian Creed just simply says it this way. We worship one God and Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, that we are compelled by the Christian truth to confess that each distinct person is God and Lord and that the deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one, equal in glory, co-equal in majesty. In other words, simply put, the Trinity is a mystery that cannot be comprehended by human reason. It's only understood one way, through faith. You simply have to go, I believe that. Don't understand it, but I believe it. While we cannot explain the Trinity, there are some things, though, that we know to be true about the Trinity. And I'm, you go, what's this got to do with the joy of good? Well, I'm going to get there. We're on, we're on our way. We're, we're starting at the beginning. One of the things we know about the Trinity is that it has existed from eternity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Water covered the face of the deep and the spirit hovered over the water. And when God began creation, how did he do it? He did it by speaking. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. They, they were, all of the members of the, of the Trinity were present in the beginning. Another thing that we know about the Trinity is that uh, the Trinity lives in complete unity and love. The Father loves the Son. This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. The Son loves the Father. When he went to the cross, he said, the prince of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what he has told me to do. The Son honored the Spirit. He says, you can blaspheme the Father. You can blaspheme the Son. You don't blaspheme the Spirit. The Spirit brings glory to Jesus through the things that he does. The Father exalts Jesus to the highest place. Ultimately, the the Son will offer everything up to the Father. They, They exist in love. They exist completely in unity. And then we also know this about the Trinity. The Trinity exists in the fullness of joy. Psalm 1611 says, In thy presence is the fullness of joy. So God exists eternal, eternally in, in community. Uh, there was a, uh, there used to be, well, I guess it still, obviously it still exists, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, sort of a dramatic piece called God's Trombones. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it before or not, but uh, it's kind of a dramatic reading with some music and stuff mixed in. And, and at the beginning of the dramatic reading, there's this, there's this line. It's, uh, it, I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, ooh, that's, that's strong. Uh, there's this line where it talks about God stepped out on nothing in the beginning and he said, I am lonely. Wrong. God has never been lonely because he exists in community. Can't explain it, but we know that it's true. 
He exists in community and he finds fullness of joy in that existence. And we, we are created in his image. And so if the, and that doesn't mean, as you know, I've said this before, it doesn't mean that God, you know, has two hands and two ears and, and one mouth and, and all that kind of stuff. He's got whatever he wants in terms of the way that he looks but in terms of how we work, we're created in his image. We don't have the intelligence he has, but we have intelligence. We do have reason. We don't have the, uh, the creativity he has, but we, we do have the gift of, of, of creativity. We, we have the capacity to love. We have, those are the ways in which we're created in God's image. And if what works for God is community brings about community and love and unity brings about the fullness of joy, then that's probably how it works for us. How it would work for us. Hebrews twelve two. You say you may go well. God, there's only there's only um, three of them though. I mean, you know, that's all it takes. Well, to some, you know, in some level that's true. But while the Trinity is only three persons, bear in mind that he, he created us for fellowship. You know, he didn't, he didn't necessarily create us because he was lonely, but he created us because he thought, this is such a wonderful thing. I'm going to create some other beings in my image so they can have it too. So they can experience it as well. And he thought that that expanded fellowship was actually worth going to the cross. It says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Well, the joy that was set before him wasn't that, yippee, I get to be king of the universe after this. God will exalt me to the highest place for doing that. He was already that. He laid it down. The joy that was set before him was seeing us have the fullness of joy as well in our lives. The Bible, several places, talks about something called complete joy. And what does that mean? Complete joy. Um, I'll never forget the first time I, I read The Lord of the Rings and. Uh, in the last book, after they were finally rescued and Sauron's finally defeated and everything, and, and Samwise Gamgee wakes up and realizes that they're safe and they're all together and, and they've won and everything, I, I remember the line that he, that he has just, just exploded on me. The first time I read it, I just, I just laughed and smiled and thought about it for days because he wakes up and goes, oh, great glory and trumpets. All of my wishes have come true. Uh, that's, that sounds like some joy. But it's temporary. And how can, how can the temporary ever be considered to be complete? C.S. Lewis, uh, his spiritual biography is, is called Surprised by Joy. It, it involves his rather strange path to the faith. Ironically, he, he, he wrote this book just before he uh, married for the first time at age 57 uh, to a woman named Joy. But So he really was surprised by it. Never mind. Uh, but uh, when he talks about his, his spiritual journey, his spiritual biography, uh, 
It was joy that led him to the faith. Not joy, Davidman, but, uh, but joy itself, because as a child, he had experienced joy, and yet he had found it impossible to maintain. In fact, examining joy or trying to maintain joy is the most certain way there is of ending it. Once you look at it, once you go, ooh, I've got some joy, you know, it goes away. It's, 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 it's not there anymore. And he thought, but surely this is what I was created for. Because when I'm experiencing joy, that's when I'm, that's when I'm fulfilled. That's when I feel like, yes, everything is right. But, there's, but that can't be kept. It can't be held on to. And so if we're created for it, then surely something is wrong with the way this world is constructed that I'm in. Something is wrong with the way that I'm wired. And there's got to be a way to get there. And he ultimately discovered that the way to get there was the gospel. (laughs) What a concept. What an idea. Actually being led to Christ because you want joy? Uh, I have a a preacher friend who uh, was telling me that a number of years ago, a family stopped coming to his church. And the reason that, he stopped coming, that they stopped coming to his church was because they had a, a, some family member, an uncle, a grandpa, or somebody, that, that they wanted to get saved, and they'd bring him to church, and they said, Pastor, you just don't make him feel bad enough. We've got to go somewhere where he's going to feel it, where he's going to feel his need for this, where he's going to feel bad. I, you know, there was... There, I, I just, I'm going to put it this way. Uh, some people have the idea that you should make church a lot like hell so that when sinners go there, they will understand what hell is like and they won't want to go there. How about we make church feel a lot like heaven so that when sinners go there, they go, ooh, this is what I'm missing. That's how I see it. So complete joy, what is that? How do, you, how do you get that? It mentions it several times, and every time it mentions it, it involves community. It is never mentioned apart from community. Four places. John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking to his disciples Before he went to the cross, he said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is is giving the disciples the, the key. The, the secret to the universe, the, the key to complete joy. And since he has experienced it from eternity, he knows what he's talking about. He, he knows, how it, he knows how, it, uh, how it comes about, and, 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 and he knows how it's maintained. And it requires others. Because it says you 
the only way the, the command you have to keep is to love one another. So there's got to be some others involved. Well, what if I don't like others? Fortunately, he did not command us to like each other. Because you really don't have a lot of control over who you like. But you have complete control over who you love. That, you know, the second service may be more into this, but, you know, that was so good that there should have at least been a woo out there or something. You know, any Barbie and Anna in here today are, are, uh, yeah. You don't have a lot of control necessarily over who you like, but you've got complete control over who you love. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, great. You guys. (laughs) I love you. Uh, (laughs) I mean, sometimes you meet somebody, right? And you just instantly go, I like this person. You know, I, I, there's a connect. Yeah, you, you just, you, you feel it. And, in some, and, and, and I'm not necessarily talking, you know, about different gender I, with romantic thing. I'm just talking about you meet somebody, you go, wow, there's, there's a connect there. And sometimes you meet somebody and you just kind of feel like, oh, ooh, that was painful. You know, it, it's, that's just, you know, that's, that's how it, we'll get over it. But you can still love them because that's a choice. It's a choice that you make. It has nothing to do with, with who they are or how they feel or how they act or how they smell. It's just got a, to do with what, what kind of choice you have made. And as we choose to love, we discover that often like will take care of itself. Or it won't. Oftentimes it does. But we'll have joy, his joy, which he describes as complete joy. Philippians uh, 2, 1 through 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any uh, common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Paul is telling the Philippians that his joy is made complete by seeing them love each other in the unity of the spirit. He needs others for this component of making his joy complete. When, uh, when your family gets together during the holidays... Uh, many often uh, encounter a Griswold family experience, uh, which isn't necessarily a, a, a joyful thing. Uh, to see family members at variance brings distress, uh, brings, brings tension and everything. Uh, but to see family members in unity and love, that's joy. That's joy. You know, to see family members where they're all kind of going, hey, can, can I help? What can I do? Man, it is so good to see you. You know, what, what is going on in your life? And I really want to know. You know, how, how can we, ooh, this, is, this chicken is so good that you cooked. And I like that pie. And I, and I like that. And the stuff I don't like, I'm just not going to say anything about. 
you know, because some people will say something about it, you know, or some people will just kind of sit back and, but seriously to see, to see that working and together and seeing them moving in unity and seeing them loving each other. Wow. Um, and it's kind of the same as, as a pastor, you know, we'll have a, we'll have gatherings sometime. We'll have picnics up at the park or, or there'll be different groups that'll have things in the fellowship hall. And seriously, uh, to, to just sit back and watch people help each other and, 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 and love each other and get things done. It's just, it's like, yeah, yeah, this, this is, this is a good job. I, 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 I like this. I like this job. There, there's, there's complete joy when we see, when we see unity, when there's disunity, it's terrible. But when, but when we move together in love and in unity, there it is. First John chapter one, verses three through four. I think some people miss this sometimes. Well, actually, he starts out by saying that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, which we have touched and our hands have handled this. We proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it. We testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father. And has appeared to us. And then he says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And what, why do we share the gospel? Why, why do you share the gospel with people? I mean, uh, assuming that we do. Sometimes we, uh, sometimes we share the gospel. I mean, I mean, Jesus told us to go and share the gospel, and that's enough to be sure. I mean, we don't really need any other motivation other than that. He's my Lord. He said, do it. I'll do it. But often we, we have subcontext. We have submotives that go into those things. And sometimes we do it because we feel sorry for those uh, who are going to hell. Let's go, you know, I don't want them to go to hell, so I'm going to go and proclaim the gospel to them. That, that's okay. You know, that's all right. It gets a little heavy sometimes. And quite honestly, if that is our motivation, there may be some people that we kind of feel like, well, maybe they deserve it. Sometimes we, uh, we, uh, we share the gospel because we don't want to see the devil win anyone. And granted, the devil is a creep. He is a real creep. And I don't want to see him win anyone. I don't want to see him get any victories. I want to have a shutout pitched against that, pitched against that guy. And, that, and that's all there is to it. And, that, and that's, you know, that's, that's fine. That's, that's motivation as well. But the place that it's coming from, I mean, it's... That, it doesn't feel like love. You know, I'm, 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 uh, I want to do something for you because I'm mad at somebody else. Uh, you know, that, it just doesn't, doesn't have a pure ring to it. And sometimes it's because the sooner we get them all in, the sooner Christ will return. And that's, that's great. I, I, I've, I got that as well. But the reason that John proclaimed the message... The biblical reason that John said, this is why I'm sharing the gospel with you is so that they 
maybe come into fellowship with us. Because that's where complete joy is. I I want you to be a part of the body of Christ. I want you to be a, a part of the family of Christ. Because that'll make our joy greater. It'll make it more complete. That's the real motivation. At least it's John's motivation. And then uh, 2 John. I say one twelve. There's only one chapter. You knew there was only one chapter in 2 John, right? Yeah. That's verse 12. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink or digital blips. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now, I could wander off on a tangent here about the isolation dangers of social media and virtual relationships, but I won't, in part because, I mean, social media is not the problem. It, it can be great. We've got, friends, we've got friends in Africa that if it weren't for social media, it, we would basically not be in touch with each other, and, I, and I'm really glad for that. But what I want to emphasize is there's a real joy in face-to-face. There's a real joy in, in, in seeing people. And part of it is not just a matter of, oh, it's so good to see you. Part of it is, in order to come to this complete joy, it, it, we live together in unity and love. You ever gotten ticked off at somebody? And gone, man, I, this is what I think. And this is, you know, I, I'm, I just need to give them a piece of my mind. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you what. You can put that in an email with no problem. You, you can maybe even say it over the telephone without much problem. But when you get down and it's eye to eye, face to face, something changes. Something happens. It doesn't happen when you're not looking at each other. It doesn't happen when you're not in the same room with each other. And so the ability to find unity, the ability to realize, you know, this... One of the reasons why I'm so upset with this person is because I care about them so much. I actually care what they think. I actually care what they do. I actually care how they feel. That happens when you come face to face. And then there's the obvious of, you know, some, you know there are people, there are places I remember. All my life. Ah, the Beatles belong in church. Uh, yeah, amen. I got a feeling my dad wouldn't amen that, but he's not here. He's just looking and, you know, so. Uh, but there are people, yeah, from, pla- from places back in my life. And to hear from them, you know, to discover them on Facebook or something like that, that's cool. But to actually see them 
to actually run into them again. You know, so I'm up, well, never mind. Uh, but to actually see, wow. There are people that I think about from back there that I would love to see. Absolutely love to. I probably won't ever see them unless they go to heaven and I go to heaven and we go, hey, we're both in heaven. But I would love, I'd love to see them at, at, at uh, Kroger. You know, I'd love to see them at, just anywhere. Just run into them. Joy. Being there. Comfort. Paul came to Macedonia and he was harassed at every turn. He said, everywhere, you, ever had, you ever been harassed at every turn? I have. Today, actually. Uh, but, you know, I realize that, the, uh, that what a jerk the enemy is. And I realize we're not unaware of his schemes. And so, you know, you just kind of go, okay, I get it. I understand what it is. I'm preaching about the joy of community today. And you read the bulletin, so you knew what I was preaching about. And so that's why you're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, he was harassed at every turn, and then Titus came. And the result was that Paul's joy was greater than ever. See, mere circumstance is really no match for the right person showing up at the right time. And I didn't say the right person showing up at the right time and doing the right thing or saying the right thing. No, just the right person showing up at the right time. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to say anything. They just have to be there. In sickness and in grief, there's power in your presence. I, I don't know. Um, there are some people, I guess, who, who have a calling for it. And, and, uh, but I don't think most people really enjoy, you know, like visiting hospitals or visiting jails or visiting funeral homes and, and things of that nature. I mean, it's not something that we necessarily enjoy. Uh, and I think part of the reason why we don't enjoy it is because we don't know what to say. You know, we, we don't know what to do. And it's not about saying and doing. It's just about being there. Because you carry the grace of God with you. God's God's grace, his love is shed abroad simply by your presence. Simply by you you walking in. Uh, and, And if you've been on both sides of that equation, you know it's true. You, you know that when you've been in, in times of, of grief or you've been in times of distress, that just to have somebody take the time to show up, you, something inside your heart changed when you saw him walk in the room. Made a difference. And while it's hard to think about associating joy with grief, the truth of the matter is it exists there as well. We aren't talking about happiness. We're talking about joy at this point in time. Those on the mission field are greatly encouraged by someone showing. We have a, we have a full-time missions pastor. 
And part of, uh, you know, part of his job is to, um, uh, you know, lead mission trips and, and oversee the mission's budget and all that kind of business. I consider the most important part of his job is just going to see him. Uh, I know when we were on the mission field, there were times that people just go and see us and just the fact that they were there. Wow. Somebody, you came all this way just to see us because you care. Joy. And shared experiences that we have. You can't have those experiences if you're not there. I uh, I remember one time at the at the Lord's Chapel. I, you know, I was I told you last week I got more stories, and but the tr- truth is I got too many stories, and so I, I I'm not going to tell. But I do want to share just one because it was a moment that 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 just will stay with me forever. Uh, th- this preacher, this visiting preacher, was there, and he was preaching, and I didn't like him. He wasn't very good. Uh, didn't agree with a lot of what he said. So, you know, it, but, the, but the reason that I say that, you know, I loved him. I didn't like him. Uh, but the, the reason that I say that is because uh, it really doesn't have anything to do with, with the preacher. It's got to do with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And he was, he was uh, at the end of the sermon, he, he gave an altar call. And it wasn't one that I would come down to if I had needed to, but he gave an altar call and there was this family in the church, the Adams, the Adams family had, uh, were, were in this church and, uh, uh, Ken and Bertie Adams had three, three kids and their, their son was just really away from the Lord. And he responded to the altar call. He, he came down front of the altar call. Well, Ken was a, uh, he, he was an usher in the church and he was back at the back and he didn't really see Mike come down at first. But, but, but Mike came down and, uh, you know, and I don't know who was praying with him. I don't know if that, if that uh, preacher was praying with him or somebody else was, but Ken saw him and, and I was sitting close to the front and I heard Ken before I saw Ken because when Ken saw him, there was this, and he goes running down the aisle grabs his son picks him up in the air and i'm and i'm just sitting there going oh i'm glad i'm here what a moment what a fabulous moment that was to be present for one other i i think i've I've maybe shared this before but if i have you can tell me after and i won't bore the second service with it but uh we, we were in zimbabwe and, but just talking about it doesn't matter about the the, the preacher uh made me think of this we were in zimbabwe and they, and we had this the they had a two-week long conference each year called deeper life and uh, uh and they would have speakers in from all over and there'd be like eight sermons a day i mean it'd go from first thing in the morning till late at night and the worst uh assignment you could draw was after lunch have I shared this? Okay, good. The worst assignment you could draw was after lunch. And they, they had this pastor from, uh, from Colorado. And he was a, you know, he, he was a fireball. And uh, Baba Goody was just wearing him out. He was preaching like three times a day. And, 
And about four or five days in, he just didn't have any voice left. And so uh, he had brought his, his church secretary with him. It was uh, a, a guy, I think, uh, full-time. He must have been a CPA or something. And, you know, no offense, but he looked like a CPA. And, and he kind of had that, that sort of personality. And we were at lunch one day, and, and, uh, and Ezekiel looks up at him, and he goes, Oh, you, uh, you are speaking after lunch. And, uh, you know, and I thought, you're out of your mind. This, this, does, this, does he even talk? I've been with him almost a week, and I haven't hardly heard two sentences out of him. Well, uh, so he spoke after lunch, and he got up. And, and like I say, after lunch was the worst assignment you could draw because it was hot, and everybody was tired. Now they were full of food. And, and, he, and he got up, and he took hold of both sides of the, of the pulpit, and he, uh, and he said, uh, and he preached about Mary and Martha. I do remember that. And I thought, eh, I don't want to be unkind, but I, I thought this is some kind of joke. Because he spoke like this, and, he, and his voice never changed. He didn't raise it any. He didn't lower it any. He just kind of spoke like that the whole time, going along and everything. And that's not how Africans, they don't resp- that's not how, what they respond to. You've heard Clopas. He just, he spoke like this the whole time. And you know, in about 15 minutes into it, I'm going, oh, please. You know, he's supposed to speak for at least an hour. <sighs> and about 20 minutes into it, and, and I, I know he preached about Mary and Martha. I don't remember what he preached about because it wasn't all that great a sermon. And, and, and it was just delivered like this the whole time. But about 20 minutes into it, the Holy Spirit just went, whoosh out into the room and within five minutes there wasn't a dry eye in the building people were were on their faces they were flooding the altars and and he's still up there speaking just like this you know and and the place is just leveled it's just destroyed well boy i'm glad i'm here what a what a place to be being there and 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 it's not just in services you know and thinking about this place i mean the the joy of baby dedications and baptisms and dances and even weddings and weirdness like that guy in the purple there and 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 then uh special events that we have and and youth events that go on and uh other special events, really special events. I mean, they're just things that community and the joy that comes out of it, the, the joy that, that, that comes from, from being together with one another. It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I want to end with this. When I was a kid at uh, Millersville, I don't have any pictures from this because we didn't have any cell phones to make pictures. But very often we would have uh, all day singing with dinner on the ground. And I loved all day singing with dinner on the ground because we didn't have a service that night. Uh, and I was a kid. And I was just, yeah, dinner on the ground. You get to eat fried chicken and pecan pie. And all you got to do is to pay for it is go listen to some people sing for a while. Uh, and so we'd have these. Uh, but as we did it. We always ended with the same song. 
All y'all who, all, everybody who's sung for us, y'all get on up here on the stage now. And do you know what song it was, Wayne? Oh, you know what song it was. Will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord. In the sky. And, you know, I, even as a kid, I enjoyed that. And now, as a, as a person who's just had a birthday, I enjoy it. In fact, I'm having it right now, this, this birthday. <laughs> you're, you're experiencing it along with me. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it, but as I, as I think about it, that's the aim, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's that great hope. We'll have, wed- we'll have funerals sometimes, and most of the funerals we have here are celebrations. But sometimes I go to funerals of people who don't know the Lord. And I just can't get up there and say, well, you're going to see them again someday. Because I don't know that they are. But to be able to say, yes, yes, if you follow the Jesus they followed, you're going to see them again someday. There's going to be a glad reunion day one of these days that will take place. And not only is it going to be a glad reunion, but it's going to be forever. In fact, when that happens, Revelation says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. C.S. Lewis was right. The order of things is messed up because we were created for joy. We were created for complete eternal joy and it just doesn't exist here. The closest we get to it is when we come together in love and unity with one another. And then we begin to experience and taste a little bit of what it is we're hoping for, we're longing for, we're desiring. You are called to community. There's strength in community. And yes, there's challenge. But there's joy in community. Would you stand with me? With those who are going to pray with people, come forward today. And if you, if you need prayer, then uh, you come. You come. And if you don't, don't need prayer, then move in unity with us. Worshiping, creating a... Move in unity with those who do need prayer. Creating an atmosphere of worship for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Maybe in the second service. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my many transgressions 
Wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from sin. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my many transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from sin. Mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your great compassion, blot out my many transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from sin. If you, uh, I, I, I imagine probably everybody here knows Christ. It's early service came to it. But even if you know Christ, you may, um, a joy may be escaping you. Um, if so, this is why God brought you here today, was to hear this sermon. You can't get there by yourself. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives together with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in unity and eternity and love and in the fullness of joy, may His joy be yours. May your joy be made complete through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.